This episode of the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Inside Tracker. For 20% off your Inside Tracker purchase, visit the link in the show notes. Hey everybody, my name is Holly Samuel and I'm a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer and your podcast host today. And in today's short episode, we will be talking about why I always am recommending people wake up in the morning or whenever it is you wake up and have food and water before caffeine. (laughs) Please don't pause and move on from the podcast now. (laughs) Please hear me out because I know this can be... um, This can be a bit of a challenging topic for a lot of people who feel like they really need caffeine in the morning and are really dragging without it. Or if you've just been stuck in a routine where you've always kind of hit the ground and had coffee before food and water. Um, And I want to talk about like why I'm so adamant about this recommendation and where it comes from. And a lot of this is based off of um, indirect relation in terms of research studies, but really just a ton of what I see in clinical practice as in my years as a dietitian. Um, and of course, having gone through this journey myself, but let's just dive right in. So first, I want to talk a little bit about caffeine, our friend, our, our beloved <laughs> caffeine. Um, basically, caffeine can definitely be like an ergogenic aid, which means that it can have performance boosting effects. In particular, what we see is that it kind of like makes us seem like we're in less pain. So it decreases perceived pain in endurance athletes, which is why you see caffeine in a lot of sports nutrition products. Um, and of course, it can give us a little bit of energy as well or perceived energy. So Caffeine is a stimulant, um, and these are basically the pros of like why we use it, right? We're like less pain, more energy, sounds too good to be true. <laughs> um, and what we see is that this is true, but there are there is a limit. You know, it's not more is better. Um, there's a limit at which a lot of the risks like, you know, cardiac events, uh, jitteriness, mental health, stomach issues outweigh the benefits of less pain and more energy. So you kind of have to figure out what that looks like for you. For a lot of people, it's 400 milligrams or less per day. Um, 400 milligrams is four of those caffeinated Morton gels or like four eight ounce cups of coffee, like 32 ounces of coffee. Um, So some of you might be like, oh yeah, I'm well under that. And some of you might be like, "Mm, (laughs) I'm way over that. but that's typically what we recommend if you are pregnant, um, you know, that recommendation decreases, but it's a little bit person dependent. So the pros, we kind of went over those. The cons of caffeine, how I like to describe caffeine from an energy boosting perspective is that it's like using your credit card to pay for stuff. Um, you know, it's fine, we can do that, but it's only okay if you have money in your checking account to pay the credit card off, right? So Think of the money in your checking account as like the food and the water that you are intaking. (laughs) If we are not, you know, drinking and eating enough on top of the caffeine, we're essentially paying for stuff with a credit card and we don't have any money to back it up. So what's going to happen? Yeah, sure. We have the energy now, but what's going to happen later when we have to pay the credit card off? Probably going to crash, right? So caffeine, you know, it can be an appetite suppressant, um, which is why, Drinking it first thing in the morning before consuming anything else can be really problematic, especially if you do struggle with your appetite in the morning. And especially if 
You do also work out in the morning because that can also be an appetite suppressant um, if it is a stressor on the body. So that combined with caffeine can be pretty problematic um, if you are, you know, only eating when you are hungry. And caffeine, again, um, can also act as a stimulant. So it can give us that buzz of energy. Um, but with that can come some side effects like GI distress, um, increased anxiety, and um, caffeine peaks in the system about an hour after we have it. Um, and we can actually still see caffeine in our system several hours after we have it. Um, so that's why, you know, if you're someone and you feel like, I had that afternoon cup of coffee and I just can't go to bed or I'm kind of wired and it's not like you want to run around your house like hyper, but like you're just like wired but tired. Um, that could still be the caffeine in your system. Now, everyone's going to process caffeine a little bit differently. Some people process it very quickly. Um, it's kind of in and out of their systems pretty quickly. Those people probably are going to notice that caffeine has like a positive effect on them. And some people may um, process it more slowly. And the slow processors might be the ones who experience like the negative side effects of caffeine. You're jittery. Um, you know, you have heart palpitations, you're shaky. Um, you know, you kind of have these highs and lows, you get really nervous or anxious, your appetite goes away, you can't fall asleep, some of those things. Um, so, you know, you probably just after those descriptions can guess um, what kind of metabolizer of caffeine that you are um, and know how it affects you. So let me talk about like why I recommend things in the order that I recommend them in the morning. So if you are someone who wakes up and you need your morning cup of coffee to function, um, again, when we intake caffeine, it's half-life is about five hours. So um, we can see it in the bloodstream in a healthy individual five hours after we've consumed it. It typically peaks an hour after we consume it. And for some people, if they're slower metabolizers, it can still be there nine and a half hours after we consume it, according to research. Um, so, you know, again, depending on what type of person you are drinking your cup of coffee in the morning, um, the following is what I typically see in clinical practice, which means my experience, you know, I haven't done any formal studies on this, although I probably should at this point have enough individuals to participate, but what I typically see in practice in my runners um, is that if they are waking up and having coffee first thing in the morning, this is a very typical pattern that I see. They'll have their coffee. Um, they don't really have much of an appetite in the morning. So maybe they'll get through breakfast, but maybe they'll skip it. They'll go for their run. They'll come back. They'll take a shower. They'll take the kids to school or go to work or do whatever they have to do. Maybe then they're having some sort of food like an hour or two after that if they, you know, if their appetite starts to pick up a little bit. Then they're having lunch and then they're wanting to eat everything and everyone at, you know, 3 p.m. And they have a huge energy crash where they're either A, eating everything in the cabinet because they're starving, or B, they're reaching for more caffeine to kind of, again, give them that credit card purchase of energy that they need to get them through the rest of the day. Then they're coming home. They're really exhausted. They're, you know, having a dinner, um, maybe a little uncomfortably full from their 3 p.m. kind of binge fest. Um, or they're really starving when they get home because they had another cup of coffee in the afternoon and didn't eat enough. So they're having a big dinner. Then they're trying to go to bed, but they're and they're exhausted. You're always exhausted. And then they can't really fall asleep or they have trouble staying asleep. Or maybe they even wake up like really early in the morning before their alarm goes off, like, you know, 2, 3 a.m., like that really annoying time to wake up in the morning. And the cycle repeats itself. So when their alarm does go off, 
they're exhausted. They have no appetite. They wake up, they're reaching for caffeine, repeat cycle. Does this sound like you? Um, you know, does this sound like a pattern or even pieces of a pattern that you can relate to? Um, if it does, I would very much encourage you. And again, I am not necessarily your registered dietitian. This is not individualized advice, nor a replacement for medical advice, nor a replacement for a dietitian client relationship. But if you wanted to experiment, <laughs> this very simple switch in your morning pattern of when you wake up, and again, we're breaking a cycle, so this might feel very forced and challenging at first, but bear with me. You can do hard things. I believe in you. I've had hundreds of people do this. Um, you know, when you wake up in the morning, just try to get in at least 10 ounces of water and something to eat before you have your caffeine. And this might look a little bit different for everyone. So before I get into that, let's take a break to hear a word from our sponsor. Let's take a minute to hear a word from our sponsor for this episode, which is Inside Tracker. I love having Inside Tracker as a sponsor of the podcast. I have been using Inside Tracker for, I don't even know, three, four years now. Um, they have just been such a key cornerstone to me understanding more about my own body and being able to help my clients on a more deeper level live healthy athletic lives and reach their athletic goals. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier longer. And they calculate your biological age, the rate at which you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age via their algorithm. And the thing I love the most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like nutrition, uh, supplementation if you have deficiencies and need a little bit of support there, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And I really love using Inside Tracker as a way to just check under the hood, you know, see how things are running um, when things are going well. And also if I'm not feeling my greatest and then be able to identify the root cause of why that is happening and put together a plan to feel better for myself and for my clients. So if you want to save 20% off on your next Inside Tracker purchase, you can visit the link in the show notes. One thing that Inside Tracker does test is your hormone called cortisol. And this is our stress hormone. And Inside Tracker just tests this hormone like at one point in time, which is of course whenever you get your blood drawn. But cortisol does have a pattern over the course of a day. So if you do need to see what your cohesive pattern is, it might be more helpful to either visit your endocrinologist um, or do a saliva cortisol test. Um, that's something that I can also do with my clients. But um, Again, if yours is abnormal, um, that's something to look into because if your stress hormone is really high um, all the time, you know, again, this is one thing that we do see associated with high levels of caffeine intake. It's something that we see with underfueling. It's something that we see with intermittent fasting and endurance athletes. And this is not good. <laughs> um, and the same thing goes for if your cortisol levels are chronically low, which is typically what happens after they've been chronically high for a long period of time, but you haven't really addressed it. Um, 
both of these things have happened to me in the past. And what helped the most for me specifically was eating enough carbohydrates throughout the day, fueling my workouts, no matter how small, you know, or easy they were, no matter if they're at four in the morning or nine in the evening. Um, and really making sure that I'm not fast doing any fasted workouts and making sure I'm eating enough and reducing my caffeine intake. <laughs> so again, full circle here. So if you've gotten your blood work done and that's the case, might be time to consider what the words that I am saying. So when we talk about incorporating your food and your water before your caffeine, again, I know this can be excruciating for some people. And if that's the case, that's a sign that you probably need to do it even more <laughs> because you really shouldn't be relying on caffeine for energy. Again, that's like relying on your credit card to pay all your bills. Like that's just not, that's not a situation that we really want to put ourselves in, right? So when it comes to this, you know, again, peeling yourself away from the coffee machine in the morning and getting food and water inside your body before you put caffeine in there. So again, this doesn't have to be huge. This could look like, and I have runners who do this, you know, if you are getting up at three 30 in the morning for your morning run before you have to get to work by like six and you have like maybe 15 minutes between you waking up and you going out the door for your run. And typically all you do is coffee this could look like, okay, we're going to do maybe some, some liquid carbohydrates, you know, like maybe some scratch labs, Gatorade juice, something like that. Something really simple just to put carbs and fluid in your system to kill two birds with one stone. And then maybe you're taking a gel, you know, on your way out the door or in the first mile or two, just to give you a little bit of something extra. And again, this is something that, you know, if you are feeling like, low energy, if you do have those cortisol patterns, if you do have any of the patterns of eating that I talked about earlier in this episode, you might be like, but I don't need that. Well, maybe you do actually, if this is the case. So, you know, again, this is something that, you know, you're just giving your body a little bit of extra material so that it's not running on fumes so early in the morning, you know, just like the first part of your day. So, that's an example, you know, or it, it could also be, and then you're having, you know, your coffee, like when you get home or you're having the caffeinated gel, because at least you already put some liquid carbohydrates, some fluids into your system beforehand. It could be as simple as that, or it could be, you know, you're waking up and you're having a full breakfast and some water, and then you're having your coffee, you know, after the fact, that's what I personally do. That's what my schedule typically allows me to do. And I very much look forward to my coffee. Um, I am pro coffee too. If you haven't gotten that so far in this episode, I freaking love iced coffee. It's like the best thing ever. So um, this comes from a coffee lover herself who's been in this situation. So don't think I'm like anti-coffee or anti-caffeine. Um, so it could look like that too. You know, it could look like a full meal. It could look like just some carbohydrates, a little bit of pre-run fuel, graham crackers, you know, dates, applesauce pouches, something like that. Um, it doesn't have to be huge, but if you do have the time and the energy, if you did have a full meal, that probably wouldn't hurt either, right? So just try it out. You know, the next time that you wake up and you're really wanting to lean on your coffee machine or your, your caffeinated tea or your energy drink or whatever it is you have, that's got caffeine in it in the morning, try having some food first and some water <laughs> and see how you feel. Do it for like four weeks and see how you feel. See how it affects the rest of your day 
see how it starts to affect your appetite throughout the day. Some people might find that they have more of an appetite in the first part of the day and a more steady and level appetite the second part of the day, which is what we want. That's what's supposed to happen. Um, when you've been fasting all night because you're sleeping, you should have an appetite the first part of the day, and then it should be pretty normal the second part of the day. It shouldn't be no appetite after you've been fasting and then all the appetite and then feeling sick. It shouldn't be like that. <laughs> it should be like the first example. Um, so if that starts to happen, that's a positive. I hear that often. Some people will say, I started you know, having food and water before my coffee and I just feel really hungry now, like throughout the first part of the day. And like, I, I don't know what to do about that. And the answer is that's a good thing. You know, you should be giving your body the fuel it needs. You should be honoring those hunger cues because that is a good thing. That's a sign that your body is using the energy that you are giving it for good and it's not running on fumes. You may also find that you do have better energy levels throughout the day and that you don't really need the caffeine to function or go to the bathroom. <laughs> um, you know, that could be a really good thing too. I know a lot of people use caffeine as their stimulant to induce a bowel movement. Um, and while it can be helpful for that effect, we shouldn't be relying on caffeine to induce a bowel movement. <laughs> so if you do struggle with constipation, I would kind of be more curious as to why you struggle with constipation. You know, are you not eating enough? Are you not eating enough carbohydrates? Um, is there like a gut dysbiosis or infection going on? Are you not drinking enough water? Um, you know, having some hot liquid in the morning, just like some warm lemon water or just having water in general in the morning should help get things moving and induce, induce some bowel movement all on its own. No caffeine necessary. Um, so that's something to consider as well. You should experience regular digestion. Um, you know, again, if we're addressing why it was irregular in the first place at the root cause, and you should have more steady energy throughout the day and maybe falling asleep and staying asleep is even easier too, because we've allowed ourselves to meet our energy needs by eating enough in the first part of the day, because now we don't have an appetite or suppressant in our system. And therefore, our body's able to sleep at night because our stress hormone cortisol isn't still high um, because we haven't eaten throughout the day. It has very profound effects, <laughs> and it's so simple. Um, so again, I encourage you to do it. I challenge you. Try it for you know a couple weeks. See how you feel. Try to you know start to scale up how much you're eating in the morning. You know, if at first you start with just a couple bites of something and some water. And then you're like, Oh my God, okay, give me the coffee. That's fine. But you know, if you can work your way on building off of that, that would probably behoove you. Um, and tell me what you think. Tag Hollyfield Nutrition in your thoughts. Send me a message. If you try it, you know, tell me your thoughts. I will say I have rarely, if ever, had anyone tell me that it had a negative impact on them. <laughs> so um, definitely try it out. Tell me what you think. Um, and again, if you are interested in having your blood work done and kind of getting a look under the hood, if you do have some of the symptoms that we've been talking about, I think it's definitely worth doing. Um, so make sure you check out the Inside Tracker linked in my bio so that you can save 20% off of your order or whatever um, you know offer that they're offering at the time. Until next time, guys, happy running.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.